Hey, hey, it's Lou and welcome to the final episode in the series on film. Now, before we get into today's conversation, I want to talk about this show. Shade is an independent podcast, an archive of conversations with black art practitioners created for reference, research and your enjoyment. Your support is super important to this work continuing. So if you're able to show the love and pay it forward so that Shade can stay free for all, please go to either the Patreon or PayPal or Ko-fi donation links in the podcast description. Thanks so much. Today, my guest is the director and producer, Eddie Hutton-Mills. We're here to talk about his recent documentary, Cannaval, A People's History of Haiti in Six Chapters. The documentary is now showing on BBC iPlayer, and it was nominated for Best Debut Director and Best Cinematography in the British Independent Film Awards and Best Documentary at the London Film Awards in 2022. We're going to talk about Eddie's film journey and the making of Cannaval. It tells the rich story of Haiti's past by following a number of carnival performers through their annual Jack Malmardi Gras journey. To quote your co-director, Leah, on the film, she said, this is people taking history into their own hands and moulding it into whatever they decide. So within this historical retelling, we find mask after mask But rather than concealing, they are revealing story after story through disguise and roadside pantomime. And it's a brilliant piece of work. And I urge everybody to to go and watch it. It's currently showing on the BBC iPlayer. And so we'll talk more about the film later. But I'd love to start by hearing about your early interest in film and and I wonder when your journey with storytelling started, like when did it reveal itself to you as an exciting medium in which to engage with and to show you something um, about yourself? It's a really great question. Um, It's a tricky one, really, because I think my first intro into really loving film came from very, very young. I grew up in London, uh, grew up with the Ghanaian family, uh, but my dad died when we were very young, when we were about four. So we grew up very poor, you know, very, very poor. Um, and my my um, my dad, before he passed, he bought this Betamax video. Now there was like this big thing between Betamax and VHS. And Betamax was like supposed to be the better version of VHS, but turns out, you know, everyone used VHS instead. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> what that meant is that in the end we had three videos, right, that we kind of had forever, um, me and my kind of four brothers. Um, and it meant that we watched Star Wars, um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade and Back to the Future relentlessly. Like, we knew every single word. Um, and I think from that kind of, uh, you know, obviously we'd go out and we play football and do other things, but it was that uh, sense of the wonder of the story, the kind of taking you out of your situation, taking you out of a place, taking you into this whole new world that you could physically be part of, that made me really, that was that was really the start of my journey into into knowing that I wanted to do something in that in that sphere, mm. uh, in the kind of art world and, and, and telling stories as well. And, and I think also, you know, um, 
my my history growing up, uh, uh, you know, uh, Africans are great storytellers. We tell everything through oral tradition. My mum, you know, we sit down at the table and she would tell stories, tell stories, tell stories. Mm. Um, and, I, and I just loved it. So I, I, I guess it was kind of a, a melding of those two experiences that um, that that brought me that brought me to where I was. And so I did film at uh, at uni. Um, uh, and, and then kind of uh, applied to as many people as I could when I came out of uni to try and to try and get a job in in film, and, and and that's kind of how my how my journey really started, to be honest. Amazing. And did you like use it as a tool, like for self discovery as well? Absolutely, because you know, I I think I was always when I was younger, I was always kind of a bit of a dreamer and uh, a bit of a you know, I I, I lived through my imagination a lot. Mm. So uh, I I knew that this was a way of kind of helping to translate emotions and feelings and 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 and, and things that I felt and things that I I couldn't say because I was also quite a shy kid. I think at home I was loud and boisterous, but um, outside of home I was very very shy. Um, and so I, I it, it, for me, it felt like a way that, you know, going into these imaginary worlds, going into this imaginary play actually felt like a way of finding myself and finding confidence. I, I did a lot of drama at school. Um, and as I say, kind of all of that, that world was a, a place where I actually could find my voice. Whereas outside of that world, I always kind of struggled to kind of... Um, yeah, to, to, to have my voice heard, really. Um, and and so, so that, it really did give me a chance to kind of look at myself and look at others and empathise with others and, and see things through a different world, really. And, and so that, that it, it definitely helped. I really get that. As a, as a photographer, I, when I look back, I realised why I used that as a, a medium of communication. It was kind of to interact, like, within spaces that, as myself, I possibly or probably wouldn't feel comfortable or confident enough to do so but with the camera I was able to for me I kind of considered it as a way of like not controlling that just sounds too aggressive but like <laughs> kind of feeling comfortable in an environment in which I uh, had some positioning where I felt comfortable when I was there for a reason like using the camera I just think it's really interesting to hear that so many creatives were, were shy kind of dreamer type p- people I just find <laughs> interesting oh definitely and I couldn't agree more with that photography thing you know you you you, you find this kind of new braveness and obviously you're, you're framing the world in a totally different way as well yeah. and so actually you kind of you know you're you're in it but you're standing back from it and you're experiencing it but you're not experiencing it and, and so it kind of you find this amazingly comfortable space and actually you find yourself going into places that you would never dream of uh without that without just that piece of equipment which you, which you know is, is, is an incredible thing really and along this journey you met Leah Gordon. We're, we're, we're all familiar with Leah's um, photography and particularly her images of Canaval. But then you two got together and decided that you were going to make a film. So yeah, I'd love to hear about how you met Leah, when you decided and how you decided you were going to do this and how you know you were able to support it as a production. Well, um, I mean, I, I, so it's quite interesting. I think I met Leah now probably three, four years ago now. Um, I mean, I've not always known of his, her work. Um, I'm a big uh, I'm a big fan of soul jazz records. I kind of DJ on the side and collect a lot of um, African music um, and music from the African diaspora, actually. You know, that's like a little side hobby. So soul jazz was kind of one of my hubs, I, I would say. And mm-hmm. Leah's book was produced, her first book uh, about Carnival was, was produced 
by Soul Jazz Records. So I'd already, I already had a copy and was very, very aware of her work. Um, And I'd been speaking to uh, this production company that was run by Natasha Dack called Tiger Lily Productions about another idea I had. And she had actually approached Leah to do a film for the BBC because they were doing a, a, a special Caribbean arts season. And this was just before COVID. And so, you know, Natasha had had ideas about what could fit in in that season. She'd spoken to Leah because she knew of her books. Mm-hmm. And Leah, because she's a photographer, hadn't made films, They, she wanted and they wanted someone who was a filmmaker to come on board and, and, and then bring, I, I guess, that filmmaking element to it that's filmmaking storytelling element to it so that's kind of how I came on board and had an interview with her we got on really well um we both had very similar passions for 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 storytelling and and for telling the story of Haiti because I've had a, a huge interest in it because I you know because it's the only successful black uh slave revolution and you know part of my I guess uh, evolution as a black person, you learn about these things. You know, not, not necessarily everyone knows about these things, but you know, as a black person, you do know about these things. And yeah. so, um, so yeah. So, I, and I wanted to work in Haiti. So it was for me. It was like, wow, I'm going to get a chance to work with someone who I greatly admire. I'm going to get to tell uh, a story about a country that um, hasn't really been told, and I, you know, and I'm going to get to go to Haiti and experience that culture and experience everything that I kind of wanted to experience so for me it was like please 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 let me do this um unfortunately yeah it, it worked out really well in that respect so we you know we got um and it was hard because of covid we had to kind of cancel the shoot and a lot of things got pushed back um uh, we got half of our funding from the BBC half of our funding from Doc Society but we had to raise money from all over the place really um lots and lots and lots of different sources um that we lost our dop because of covid it was hard bringing it to, yeah it was hard bringing it because you know we were we were wondering whether we should go whether we shouldn't go you know we wanted to we were worried that when we went out there if we filmed it during covid times everyone would be wearing masks and you know in a way this is a it was a film that was about history right and and and, and to, we wanted to feel really timeless mm. and we were worried that if we had everyone wearing masks or something that that real sense of covid being around we wouldn't it wouldn't bring that time as quality to it. So there was a lot of that and a lot of kind of moving with 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 the cast because um and I saw with the crew because of because of the timings of it. Um but yeah in, in terms of um in terms of raising money it, it actually it actually worked quite well, you know, because as I say there were lots of people in Haiti who wanted to to fund the film because nothing had really been done around that. Mm-hmm. Um, and BBC and Doc Society gave us a, a good tranche of money as well, so 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 we did okay, and we're still right, you know, still raising money today. You know, that's the that's the reality of, of things like this because you know archive costs so much, you know, the they, they post production costs so much. So you know, it's it's really it's a it's a labour of love. It's not something you make money out of. It's much more a labour of love, something like this. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm you know immensely proud of it. So so yeah. So Cannaval charts uh, centuries of Haitian history through the lens of carnival celebrations, but Cannaval's foundations are of resistance used as a like a form of storytelling um, mm. of the country's history. Um, as an example, you know, performers are dressed up in caricature versions of the Haitian dictator Francois Duvalier, um, you know, and all these uh, am- amazing uh, historical reenactments are played out 
like in these processions and in these performances. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think, you know, the first thing to say is that, um, you know, carnival was, it, 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 it is in itself a form of resistance, you know, it, yeah. it actually carnival itself was, you know, it, it, it was it, it was a sense of it, it being given back to the people. And it was it was one of the few chances that the people had to had a chance to say what they actually felt. Yeah. Whether that was subtly or overt, overtly, I mean, during Duvalier's time, very much subtly, but you know, it was a chance for them to, to you know, to, to have their voice, to have their power, to to speak truth to power. So, it, you know, that the carnival in and of itself is is, is a moment of. It's a moment of reckoning, I guess, as well as a moment of joy and, and happiness and display and pride. You know, it is also a moment of reckoning. And, and so there's something quite wonderful in that in that kind of transformational space mm. of, of it. And, and, and also, again, it's that kind of it's such a wonderful way of passing down history. You know, you, you think from this has you know, been going for hundreds and hundreds of years and the young kids who get involved in it, they, they, they see it and they feel it. And their parents are telling them why and, and, and what happens in their history so you know it is literally being passed on through creativity which is something that's 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 quite wonderful um but haiti is i mean uh, there's a wonderful haitian painter called andre pierre and mm-hmm. he kind of says it best haiti is like an accordion you know it's sometimes it's very big and sometimes it's very very small and that is haiti's history you know we kind of chart it from i i would say you know we kind of have a quite gentle beginning just to kind of open you up into jack mel which is a kind of totally different place from Port-au-Prince in, mm. and they have their own carnival. You know, that's the other thing to say. Cap Pestien have their own carnival. Port-au-Prince have their own carnival. And Jack Mel has its own carnival. And, and I guess the quality of Jack Mel's carnival is that it's not about the procession. Well, you know, there is a procession there, but the most exciting bits are of this, you know, this wonderful street theatre mm. on the side and how they kind of, uh, you know, the, the, the preparations that go into it. The, the you know the, the the pride and the sense of history that they have when they're putting on the costumes and reminding themselves of all of these histories I I, I you know there's, there's something incredibly wonderful about that mm. and I think you know we start off with just that I, I I guess quite an interesting idea that you know Columbus didn't discover the Caribbean Columbus didn't discover um, South America there were there were rich cultures there before. Um, very, very rich cultures there before, but we always start our history from the time that the West interacted with us, with us. you know, it's the same in Africa, it's the same in the Middle East, you know, it's, it's always the same, whereas these are countries with rich histories, rich empires, um, wonderful stories from there. So I think, you know, that was our, our opening gambit, it was like, you know, this is something that you haven't heard, this is the story that people are telling of their own history, this is what they've experienced and what they've seen and what's been passed through from their ancestors. This isn't the story of the West. This is the story of, you know, from the from the ground up, history from the ground up, you know, from below mm. rather than history from above. So uh, we very much kind of wanted to start on that point and then move into kind of the most significant point of the history with, um, with the Lance Accord, who are the kind of, they're called the rope throwers and they they reenact this slave revolution, really. Um, they all get all dressed up in kind of this wonderful charcoal black, which the slaves used to kind of disguise themselves in that time um, so that their masters didn't know what they're doing. They were going off into these secret meetings, um, which were, you know, imbued with spirituality, with voodoo and all of these kind of things to, to I guess, to talk about revolution and to have this kind of revolutionary spirit and, 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 and taking, you know, power for themselves. And, 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 and the fact that it was successful uh, meant that Haiti suffered for it. You know, there was no, the, 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 that, that colonial idea of, 
oh my God, what have we done? The slaves are going to come and kill us all because quite frankly, you know, we've been doing terrible things to them. And, 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 and that fear very much dominated what happened to Haiti after that successful black revolution. You know, the British uh, tried to reinvade Haiti so that, um, so that so that the same thing wouldn't happen in Jamaica or Barbados, um, and, and it slightly did. So, you know, that, that to us was the significant moment in Haitian history. And it's something that's been completely obliterated, really, from Western colonial society. And, and there's a reason for that. And the reason is, is exactly that, because then after that, we talk about how France laid on debt onto Haiti, um, the how they, I guess, um, from that moment, um, created a situation where Haitians were looked on terribly. So voodoo, their spirit, spirituality was denigrated, their language denigrated, their economic systems denigrated. And you can see kind of how that, how that all kind of, when you look at it as a whole, you see, the, I guess, the effects of uh of colonialism on this small island which was you know the pearl of the of the caribbean it was the richest coffee and sugar producing island so you know we try and tell that story in quite i guess quite an interesting and linear fashion so you get a real sense from the 1500s up until the present day um of, of how haiti uh, uh plays out and you know then you get context for the devaliers and, and, and we give that through these, these wonderful costumes called Shaloska, who, you know, it's a kind of an allegorical tale of corruption. Um, but, the, you know, the costumes are all quite mad as well. You know, they're, they're homemade, they're made from papier-mâché, you buy things from the local market, and, and, and the creativity that comes through them is just, it's, it's, it's extraordinary. And the transformation you see these guys go through is also extraordinary. And, it, you know, it's all that, that local art, but you know that 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 creativity and imagination. So you're using bottle caps and strings and cow's teeth and and all of these wonderful things that are around you to to create this incredible art. It, it just it kind of blows your mind a little bit. Mm. And talking about like the creativity, I'm thinking about the artistic delivery um, of the documentary and like what the shared vision between you and Leah was for that. So you used like archive footage of Carnival alongside Hollywood interpretations of the processions. Um, and I just wondered like when you were planning in terms of the way the documentary would look, what is it you were focusing on, what you wanted to convey visually with the piece? Yeah, I mean, we had a lot of dis big discussions about this. We did a lot of kind of storyboarding. I think one of the things to say is that, you know, uh, I think the reason me and Leah worked so well together is that we had a very kind of singular vision in that, you know, number one, as I said, we wanted it to be a history from below and we wanted the, you know, it's, you know, history's passed on through all of tradition. And so we wanted to to make sure we, we, we paid homage to that and have mm -hmm. them speak in their history in their own voice. Um, and then in terms of the visuals, as I said, we played around with a lot of ideas because we knew we wanted to use archive. We knew we wanted to kind of find a way of, of uh, I mean, initially it was called passing through the membrane, which was like it became a big joke about us, but basically going from present day or, or you know, into, into historical archive, into reenactments, into Hollywood films and, and for it to feel like a whole, like a kind of flash of memory. And that's kind of what we what we wanted to play with is all this kind of, you know, this flash of memory that you're seeing and feeling as, you, as you're walking through the streets of Jack Mann. And also that we wanted to have that sense that you're really there, that you felt and experienced carnival, not just kind of like a, you know, a boring historical telling that you're living it. And kind of, as you say, you kind of flash into these moments of like, oh, I've seen this 
costume and now I can think about this history or someone can tell me why I'm wearing it. Do you know what I mean? So it was very much more, uh, we wanted to create that kind of pastiche. And we also wanted to, I guess, pay homage to, to Leah's portraiture and her photography because, you know, that, that, you know, in her portraiture and her photography, she kept the carnival away and kind of created these amazing kind of silent spaces for for contemplation and, and play and and interest. So we wanted to kind of pay homage to that and and, and give give the film that that feel that it was a, a conversation rather than it, it you know it feeling like a, a a bit that was kind of removed. So you, you, we we worked very hard, I think, to try and find ways into doing that which is why we tried to find as much carnival archive as we could so we could kind of you know show this is a really historical piece um and uh you know i went through a lot of archive <laughs> but fortunately though leah had some incredible archive as well from her connections in haiti because she's been going there you know for 25 plus years so mm. she knows so many people so we we, we we got some incredible archive from there and then our DOP, Joel Honeywell, you know, we, we we gave him some ideas of the films and the looks we were looking for. And he just ran with it for the, you know, for the bits with all the characters. It was just wonderful. You know, we wanted to bring back actually the colour and bring back that kind of, um, that photographic look to the colour pieces as well. So it kind of matched Leah's photography as well. And, and again, so you feel like you're looking through it almost like a photo book and and experiencing that in, in real time. And, and And some of the archive is just... The Hollywood archive was just kind of like, wow, you know, it, it's so racist <laughs> and so, um, you know, it's so overt and so racist and so, uh, so actually unbelievable that it kind of, it, it stands like a weird, like a horror show in, in, in a way. Um, and, 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 and so uh, I'm still getting therapy for all of that. Um, and, um, but it's kind of you know we wanted to kind of as I say you know it's all about creating that 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 sense of kind of a, a flash of memory and a, and, a, and a constant sense that you're you're you know because they live their history. The wonderful thing about Haitian people is they really do know their history. You know we've got so much to learn from them in terms of their their histories around them. It surrounds them. They they live it. They understand it. They retell it. Um, and and I think we're kind of disconnected from it. So we wanted to kind of present this film in a way that we were truly, truly, truly connected to it. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, it, but it, it was, it was tricky trying to finding a language to, um, to meld all of these different elements together. Cause then there was the third kind of bit, which is just these wonderful kind of black and white portraitures of modern day and of carnival preparations and of people dancing. And, and, and again, it's that sense of, you know, you, you live your history through the, through, through your body, right? You know, you're, you, you are, you are the product of hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of history. Every time you walk, everything you say, do you know what I mean? There is, there is a deep sense of history within every person. And we wanted to kind of, I guess, give that idea life. Mm, that's such a poetic kind of like idea that I actually that I love like you just live this through your body and uh like it was it's such a, a an amazing piece of work and if I'm right you've received three you received three nominations mm -hmm. uh, award nominations for this piece uh, and like I said it's it's there it is on the BBC and, and but when you so when you survey this journey that you've had with this production from its early seeds to to now and all the time you spent with it and all of that footage that you've trawled through and the, the shooting and the planning and everything how do you view that journey now and 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 has it informed like your work going forward 
uh, it's amazing to feel it now. You know, you have moments where it's really hard, really hard, you know. And, and I, mean, you know, I meant to talk about the editor, Zana, because she was incredible in terms of pulling it all together. And Natasha, who's a producer, was incredible. But, you know, it it does feel, it, it's a moment of pride and, and, and a real kind of sense of, you know, yes, you know, you want to do things that 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 do make a mark, and uh, and also it's kind of a, for me the biggest thing is about reimagining um, reimagining history and what it tells us about what we're doing, and, and and actually kind of I think a lot of stories that we tell about the African diaspora and then the Black diaspora are are stories of of, of hard uh, of difficulty, but actually, you know, we also need to. We need to show African brilliance, right? And 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 black brilliance. And 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 I think it, it was that 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 changed me quite quite profoundly. I think, yeah. you know, you 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 going to Haiti. You know, we're both gone in. It, it felt like the most. It felt like being in Accra. It's mad. Yeah. You know, so much of it is 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 um, is alive. The, the market sellers, the street sellers. It's, it's proudly an African place right mm-hmm. and uh for me it was like wow okay this is this feels weirdly like coming home mm-hmm. and when you understand that i guess the story of haiti and how it has been denigrated still to this day even in the caribbean still mm-hmm. to this day you know it's seen as like the, the 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 poor island that no one wants to go to no one wants to talk to it's the only real caribbean island without a tourist industry mm-hmm. um it it, it 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 makes you realize you know the 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 power of giving people their own power back and and reimagining how people see you and and, and actually remembering that you know th- these aren't just people who are who are hopeless they're people who are very hopeful and have incredible ingenuity and incredible artistic flair and 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 so for me uh within these kind of these tragedies my you know the, the the thing that I, I'm, I'm desperate to do now is, again, like, you know, just reimagine that story and remind people how brilliant we are and how brilliant we, we, we can be, you know. And, you know, off the back of tragedy and off the back of struggle, we still do incredible things. And, and actually, it, it, it's that that's probably it's given me that 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 sense, even, you know, it, I mean, I definitely had it before, but even more so now, you know, um, it, it definitely has changed me in that way. And also, I'd say in Haiti, you know, you, you forget all their problems are so immediate that you forget about all of the extraneous stuff, right? Everything else kind of gets stripped away. And actually, there's there's something beautiful in in art when you do just strip everything else away, you know, when all the other noise comes out and everything is just the here and now. And so trying to somehow get back to that to that state where, you know, we were there during the, uh, during the Ukraine invasion and we, we, we heard nothing about it, right? And it was like it was that that kind of struck me. It's like, oh my god, yeah, you can you can just enter these worlds and and and, and consume it and, and 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 be artistic in that place and step out. And, and I think that's always that it's always a plus point if you were able to do that. Mm. To wrap up our conversation, is a, I'd like to sort of think about a sentiment that I like to think about with all of my guests, and I just wonder what young Eddie now <laughs> would think of this sort of rich life of storytelling that you have now? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> young Eddie, what would he think? He'd think you're old now. Look at your grey hair, probably, to start off with. telling stories, Eddie. But um, I think he would be, he would be excited. He'd be sitting on trying to 
edit with me and, and go out filming with me, he would be, um, I think, incredibly proud because I think, you know, young Eddie, this was this is what he always kind of saw for himself in a way. It was kind of the path that I wanted to go. I mean, I was either going to be a sportsman or, or this, really. Um, and so I think, you know, he'd be like, just keep going, keep enjoying yourself, keep opening your heart to, 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 to stories and, 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 you know, and, and, and live that live that life because it, it, it's, it's, it's something you've always wanted to do. So, you know, I, I, I definitely think he'd be immensely proud sitting on my, you know, top of my shoulder saying, keep going, keep doing it. You know, you're, you're one of the lucky ones. So once you've chosen this path or it chooses you, you don't know which way it is, uh, you know, you, you want to kind of fulfil it. Well, you're on that road now, Eddie. Thank you. Thank you so much for talking with me about Carnival today. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much.